it is our great delight to come and worship you today, Jesus. So we choose, we choose to say your worship. Oh Christ, crucified, lifted up, erased to life, and he's coming back. Coming back again. Sing Christ.
the house of the Lord this morning, church. I know a lot of y'all see us smiling up here and kind of laughing. And I know a big part, there's a lot that goes on. That's true. <laughs> but a big part of that is because we're just a bunch of church kids that just love being in church, man. I know that's true about me. I know that's true about you. We're about, to, we're about to sing this song called All Hail King Jesus. We sang it a few months back. And I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to formulate anything or force anything to happen. But this moment happened that it probably will mark me forever. At the end of this song, everybody in the room just kind of started lifting up their own words to the Lord. And it was so sweet and it was so special. And it reminded me of this, that, you know, we have words on the screen and we, we bring a good presentation every week. We try to be excellent. But sometimes the most important thing you can sing is what emanates and flows out of your own soul to the Lord. And, and all the things that we display, all the words and all the stuff, is supposed to ignite something on the inside of you. We're not just trying to let you be precious spectators this morning. But we're trying to get you to be active participants in the worship experience. And what I'm, what I'm asking, and I think what the Lord is inviting you to as we sing this next song, is let the Lord invite you to sing your own words. It's okay. It's okay to go off script just a little bit. You don't got to be here with us. Nobody, you don't have a microphone at all. So I want to invite you, as we sing this next one, at some point, to just lift up your own words to Jesus. Inhale Him, exalt Him, and adore Him, and lift Him and love Him for yourself. Right here. And there was a moment when the lights went out, when death had claimed its victory. The king of love had given up his life The darkest day in history They're on the cross And they're on the cross they made for sinners For every curse his blood atones And one final breath and it was finished but not the end we could have known For the earth began to shake And the veil was And what sacrifice was made As the heavens
Thank you, Lord. The presence of the Lord. God, we come into this place adoring you, celebrating who you are to us. Your presence, God, changes everything. Church, isn't that the truth? <laughs> that we come in here needing comfort, and the Lord comforts us. We come here burdened with fear, with worry, with doubt, and God draws us into his presence, places his hand on, a, on us, and says, peace, be still. Isn't that beautiful? When we worship together, we reorient our souls to the things that matter most. We reorient to you, God, the maker of heaven, the maker of earth, the lover of our souls. Your presence, God, changes everything. And church, we're gonna take a few moments this morning and just have an unhurried moment of prayer together where we lift to God the things that concern us in exchange he gives us, continues to give us all that he is. He gives us himself. He doesn't send a messenger. He doesn't send a diplomat. He sends us his very presence, his very essence to us to meet the deepest needs of our heart. So God, we come to you this morning and we thank you, Lord, that the headlines don't have the final say, but you do. You are greater than everything that's transpiring on the global stage, that you're in charge. That we don't have to worry about tomorrow, because tomorrow has enough worries of its own. But in this present moment, we bring our anxious souls and we just say, help God. Help us, strengthen us. Lord, we pray for all those in Israel, in Gaza, the West Bank, the entire Middle East. Lord, will you bring peace? Will you destroy evil? Will you protect innocent lives? Lord, we give that situation to you. We refuse to carry the burden of that situation in a way that would hurt us, but instead we turn our worry and our fear into prayer today. And we ask that you would move by your spirit. God, I thank you for the sweet people of our church, how you've gathered us today, and how you're just saying over us that you love us, you see us, that there's never been a moment we've walked alone. We receive your love this morning. We thank you. People of God together said, amen. Church, so good to be with you this morning. As we get ready to receive our tithes and offerings, I got two things for you. First thing is, we had the privilege as a church of baptizing 255 people last weekend. Yeah. That's worth celebrating. And so far this year, 600 people have gone into the waters of baptism. Yeah, that deserves a second clap, I agree. And more than the numbers, right, that's exciting, each number represents a story, a person who was once lost, but now they're found, was once blind, but now they see. God is so good. And the second thing is I want you to imagine for a second being someone in our city who's lost hope and suddenly there's a knock at the door 
and someone is there to pray with you and bring you, let's say this Thanksgiving, a Thanksgiving meal and says, God loves you. God hasn't forgotten about you. That's the kind of things that our church, the giving that we do here enables. So God, we thank you. We pray that you'd bless this offering to your glory, to your fame. Make yourself known in our city and around the world. We pray in Jesus' name. Let's worship, church. My name is Josh. Thanks so much for joining us this morning. And my name is Callie. If it's your first time joining us today, or if you're looking for more information about ministries here at New Life, you can click the link below or scan the QR code. If you're joining us on Facebook or on YouTube, go ahead and give us a shout out of where you're joining us from. We'd love to say hello. So let's grab our Bibles, grab our notebooks, and let's plug in for this message. Good morning, New Life Church. I have the honor this morning of introducing a dear friend, someone that I've known for many, many years. He's the founding senior pastor of Church of the Highlands in Birmingham, Alabama, but they have campuses all across the southeastern part of the United States. Chris Hodges is our guest speaker today. He's one of the founders of The Ark, which is a church planting network that plants churches all over the world. So it's a huge honor for us to have him here this morning. I want you to stand to your feet and welcome to New Life Church, Pastor Chris Hodges. Thank you. <laughs> Come on, give Jesus all the praise, everybody. Yeah, that's good. All right, thank you so much. Thank you, Pastor Brady, and I'm very honored to be here. There's, there's a couple of things that he didn't mention in that introduction that you might need to know, and that is I was once on staff here. Um, actually, yeah, some of you guys that have been around a while. Uh, in 1987, my wife, who's sitting right here on the front row, and I, uh, we were just one year married, moved here uh, to, to Colorado Springs, and back when New Life was just a little storefront on Garden of the Gods, and, um, and I was the first worship pastor of this church, everybody, and, and uh, yeah. <laughs> 
And you're really glad that I'm not today. Let me just say that right now. So, um, but I, um, and also just, we lived here seven years, had uh, three of our five children were born here in Colorado Springs. Went back home to Baton Rouge, uh, where I'm originally from, uh, new, uh, at a Bethany church, Pastor Larry Stockstill, and went back home in 1994. But this is very surreal to me. So I speak in a lot of places, um, but I am, I'm not nervous, but I'm, it's surreal just to be back to what we consider a second home for us here in Colorado Springs. And I just wanna give God all the praise just for the opportunity to be back right here. So I'm very delighted to bring God's word today. I have to give a shout out to Pastor Brady and Pam and just the whole team here. I deeply, deeply love and admire your pastors and, um, and what's happening here at this church is nothing short of a miracle. And can we put our hands together and give God all the praise everybody, all right? So, hey, there's... So there's one more thing that you might wanna know that might help this experience together uh, for the next few minutes, and that is I am a Cajun from South Louisiana, all right? And I, and I, and I tell you that as a disclaimer, okay, everybody? Uh, that uh, you might not learn anything, but we will have a good time, all right? So, all right, so just letting you know. Okay, all right, as long as we're clear. I want you to open your Bibles with me today to John chapter four, and I'm gonna bring a message that I was thinking about this morning I've never said it this way, but I think if I only had one more chance to preach, this is what I would talk about. Uh, I wanna, I wanna, I wanna uh, even submit to you that perhaps that if Jesus had the opportunity to stand here, this might be what he would talk about. Because what I wanna talk about today is, was really the focus of his life. Um, when I say it was the focus of his life, he even stated that this was the reason I came. Uh, it's not on the screens, but in Luke chapter 19, Jesus said that the reason the Son of Man came uh, was to seek and to save those who are lost. Like he gave his whole life, not for found Christians, but he gave his whole life for, for lost people. Can I hear a good amen, everybody, right? Like, like that's why he came. And I always think that if we're gonna be followers of Jesus, followers of Jesus uh, do what Jesus did. In fact, in one place, he even said to those that he was gathering, his disciples, he said, come follow me, and if you do, I will make you and if you know the rest of it, you know already, but if you don't know the rest of it, you would think he would say something like, hey, if you follow me, I'll make you holy, or I'll make you spiritual, or I'll make you nicer to people, or, or like, but he says, if you follow me, I will, I will show you how to, how to fish for people. Like, this was the focus of his life. This was the first stated thing that he said to his own disciples, and and I think um, that one of the great purposes of the church is not just to gather for worship and give praise to our God, but it's, let's be a church like that was already stated that is out there reaching the city and finding lost people and giving them the hope of salvation. And I really believe that. I, in fact, I have the belief that people want it more than we even realize. I think the harvest is ripe. Can I get a better amen, somebody, right? I really do. I think it's ripe. I think people, I think people are in distress and know that they need something other than what they're currently doing because it's not working for them. And uh, so one of the passions of my life is to kind of stir Christians um, to that idea. And let's, let's be out there, let's be fishers of people. Let's, let's, let's look for opportunities to share our faith. And there is a, a, a kind of a secret to it all, if you will, or there's a key idea that we have to overcome in order for this to happen. And that's what I wanna talk about today. So let me set up this, the text. We're gonna be in John chapter four. Um, and before we go to the text, let me set it up for you. Uh, the, the disciples had gone on an errand and so this is one of the few times that Jesus and the disciples are not together. Jesus um, wanders over to a well. I want you to imagine this 
pulpit here or this lectern here as, as the well. So he wanders over there to that well and there's a Samaritan woman there drawing water and he strikes up a conversation, which by the way, broke all of the cultural protocols because men didn't speak to women in public and Jews did not speak to Samaritans because of racial issues. And I'm just happy to report to everybody here today that the God we serve smashes through all of those barriers. He yeah, just thought I'd, thought I'd mention that, all right? So, and so he strikes up this conversation with her and this is probably the part of the text you already know where he says, are you married? And she goes, no, I'm not married. She goes, he says, that's right, you're not. You've actually already had five husbands and the guy you're living with right now is not your husband. <laughs> and then she goes, well, sir, I perceivest thou to be a prophet. Like, how did you know that? There's, there's no way you could have known that. And now she realizes she's in the presence of greatness. She realizes, and by the way, God knows everything about your life too. Like you're in the presence of greatness, the one who knows everything about your life and he knew everything about her and doesn't condemn her current situation. He says, I have, I have water to give you that if you drank this water, you'd never be thirsty again. And of course that has her attention. She goes, I'd like to have that water. Okay, we're gonna pick it up right there, watch this. And you have to, have to you, you guys, so let me just say too, because because I'm from Louisiana, everybody, I see humor in scripture, and so you might not laugh, but this is, this is getting ready to be really, really funny to me. I just, I can't help it, I have a sense of humor. More serious preachers and people a lot smarter than me are coming back next week, come on everybody, all right, so, all right, just hang in there, okay, just hang in there. If you're, if you're new to the church, we apologize, okay? I'm Uncle Chris from, from, from South Louisiana, and all right, all right, so, okay, so, so watch this. So just then, let's read it slowly. The disciples returned to the water area and they were surprised to find him talking to a woman for the reasons that I already told you. Now, now leave it up there for a second, team. Uh, so what happens next in the text, if you read it slowly, it doesn't make sense for this to be the next scripture. Because now John, who's writing this after the event happened, is gonna mention something that didn't happen. So if you're, writing, if you're writing a story, you don't write the stuff that didn't happen, you write the stuff that did. But he's getting ready to mention what didn't happen. So if you wrote what didn't happen, there can only be one reason, and that is that he wished they would have happened. Because he says, but no one asked, what do you want? So no one came up and, hey, we're back. We're back, do you need anything? And that's just what you call hospitality since they're the disciples, he's the rabbi. I've only been on campus here today for about an hour, hour and a half, and I've been asked that question 20 times. Pastor Chris gonna get you anything? No, I'm fine, how about some water? But no, that's a thing, I don't need that either. Like, I'm fine. You know, do you need any, anything to eat? Nope, I'm fine. You know, what do you want? It's just called hospitality. And John says, we didn't do that. I want you to follow that because that's very, very important to the story. No one asks, I'm gonna go ahead and give you the, I'll go ahead and give you the punchline. It's because they weren't thinking about Jesus' needs, they were thinking about their own. So no one asked, no one asked, what do you want? And then no one asked, why are you talking to this woman? Which remember they're surprised, and if you're a disciple seeing your rabbi doing something you don't understand, you ask. And they didn't because they weren't thinking about Jesus in that moment. And it says, and then leaving her water jar, the woman goes back to her town and her town's not another city. Her town's a village right around the corner because she's getting ready to come right back. Okay. So she goes back to her town and they, and she says to the town people, come see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Christ? 
And so they, the town people, came out of the town and made their way back to this water well. So now it's Jesus and the disciples standing here. And just picture it in your mind. It makes the scriptures come alive, I think, if you can imagine the story. But imagine coming from around this corner here, the town people. My mind pictures about 50 people with the lady in the front going, there he is, he's still there. Come on, hurry, he's still there. Like this pile of people, so picture it. So Jesus, this is the funny part. Jesus and the disciples are standing at the well and a whole pile of people are coming toward Jesus to see if he's the Messiah. Watch the next line. Meanwhile, his disciples urged him, Rabbi, let's go get some, let's go to P.F. Chang's. Are y'all seeing that scripture, everybody? So with the town people, visit, they're, they're in sight, coming toward Jesus. They want to go get something to eat. Okay, now let's keep watching this. So he says to them, okay, and Jesus often does this. If you bring up a subject, he'll turn your subject into a metaphor to teach you a spiritual truth. So he's getting ready to do that because they brought up food. Here he goes. He said to them, I have food to eat that you know nothing about. Now, everybody in this room knows what that means. He's talking about the people. Like, I don't want to go get lunch because my food is, is to help these people. And now watch the next line. It gets funnier. You, you, you. Anyway, so I hope you see this. All right. <laughs> then, then his disciples said to each other, could someone have already brought him food? <laughs> All right. There are some of you. I think that's hilarious. I just think that's hilarious. What I'm trying to show you is how much they were missing the moment. And if they could miss the moment, could we? That's all I'm suggesting. They're right there with him, missing this moment because of their only thinking, not about his needs, why was he talking to a woman? They're hungry. They're thinking about their own needs, all right? And so they're missing this, and so Jesus tries round number two, watch this. My food, said Jesus, is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his, say the next word out loud, finish his like, dude, I'd love to go to P.F. Chang's, but we have work to do. I'm hungry too, but we're on a mission together. And so he says, do you not say four months more than the harvest? That was actually, I can't ever say this word, a colloquialism. That means you would, you would use for procrastinating something. So if you, didn't, if you wanted to do something later, you say, ah, four months more. Four months more than the harvest. He says, you guys keep saying, no, 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 we'll do it later. And I tell you three words. This is the title of the message today. Open your eyes. So open your eyes and look at the fields. They're ripe for harvest. Like just open your eyes. So what he, diagno what he did is he diagnosed the problem that um, I believe is the current condition of the church, not this church, the church, the capital C church even, even today. And that is we gotta be careful not just to focus on our needs, but to focus on the needs of others. And you can never reach that that which you cannot see. So you don't even feel responsible for that which you do not see. It's like trying to, I don't know if you ever tried to get out in traffic and you're, you're trying to get, but the, it's, it's stacked and nobody will let you out. They won't let you out. And they intentionally look away from you, right? Like you're over there and they just, what, because if they look at you, you become human and then they have to do it. The other day I was, the other day I was actually trying to get out and there was, it looked like a mom and a daughter and the daughter was in the passenger seat and the mom, I saw her intentionally not look my way. Like, I'm not letting you out. I'm, I'm in traffic too and you're just not going in ahead of me. And, but, the, but the girl in the passenger seat and I caught eyes and she looked at me and I went, 
you know? And she starts laughing and I saw her talk to her mom and then the mom looked up and went, you know, just like. <laughs> because you never feel responsible for that which you do not see. And Jesus is saying, I just wish you could see, see what I see. So as you can see, I'm wearing glasses. Um, I'm wearing glasses because I'm nearsighted. I didn't even know what that meant when I first went to the doctor. I'd had perfect eyesight my whole life until I was 44. I just turned 60. I was, I was here in Colorado Springs from age uh, 24 to 31. So I had, I, when I was here, I didn't have glasses. I, I, I could see a freckle on a gnat, man. I had good eyesight. And so, um, and, and, and I still have good eyesight for like things that are close up. And I was at a football game with my boys we were playing football and I was, I was squinting in the stands. My sister was on one side, my wife Tammy was on the other side and they saw me squinting and my sister starts laughing at me. And she goes, you can't see out there, can you? I said, no. And she takes her glasses off, her glasses. And I put them on, it's like my whole world came in high definition again, my God. I had no idea I was missing all this. So I actually uh, went to the, to the eye doctor and I'd never been before. And if you've never been before, the first visit's strange because you're going there to see better and the first thing they do is blind you. They put stuff in your eyes. You can't see. I'm like, I, was, I even said, doctor, we going in the wrong direction, my brother? Like, this is not working. And so it's like, I, was, I couldn't see nothing. You know, like, oh, I'm dilating your eyes. You know, thing. and also, like, what was that? He blew in my eye. He said, that was a glaucoma check. I'm like, Warner brother first. Let me know you're going to blow. You know what I'm saying? So anyway, um, <laughs> and so anyway, so he does all of his checks. He walks out, comes back in and says, we got you figured out. I said, well, good. That's why I'm here. He said, um, he said, you're nearsighted. And I said, no. I said, all the near stuff is just fine. I got far issues out there. All my issues are far. And he goes, no, that's what we call it. I said, you do? It's the only medical profession that names your condition for what you're good at. It'd be like going to the doctor with a broken arm and he goes, okay, your legs work. I mean, like, that's dumb. You don't do it that way. So, so, so anyway, so, so I said, oh, well, I didn't know. I really didn't know. And he gave me glasses and, 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 and anyway, so yeah, it's all working now. And uh, when I was leaving, I'm telling you, the Holy Spirit speaks to me, Pastor Brad. I mean, I'm like, like it, the Holy Spirit's speaking to me and saying, you know, that's your spiritual condition too. Because when you're nearsighted, everything close to me is clear and everything away from me is not. And you never feel responsible for that which you cannot see. So by the way, you can tell when you're spiritually nearsighted by your prayer life. So let me say it this way, if God answered all your prayers, would it change the world or just change you? And he, and he cares about you, but he also, God so loves the world. And that's what I love about this church. I mean, look around the room. We're, we're, we're saying when we look up to worship that it's not all about us, it's about these nations. It's about 255 people who just made a decision to follow the Lord in water baptism. Like this church, this isn't just for, it's good for us, but it's not just for us. Can I get a better amen, somebody? We gotta open our eyes, right? We gotta, we gotta see what Jesus sees. Let me give you three little points here that'll help us of things that I think we ought to open our eyes to. And, and the first is to where they are, open our eyes to where they are. And what I mean by that is, I think one of the most beautiful things that believers can do is to walk out of these doors after church until we come back next Sunday. And that is just kind of being tuned and think, I'm just gonna kind of be alert. I'm not gonna necessarily witness or share my faith with everybody, but I'm gonna look for opportunities that God might have orchestrated. 
And I think it's one of the healthiest things believers can do because, because listen to me, God will set you up. Like he'll intentionally, and I truly believe this, that God is at work right now working on divine intersections. He's, he's, he's ordering your steps, one place says. Proverbs 16, verse nine. In, in your heart, you, plant, you planted your calendar this week, but the Lord is establishing your week, your steps, not you. That he's actually at work more in what's gonna happen this week to you than you realize. So what would it look like if we just were just a little bit more attuned to that to see if this is not one of those conversations. I recently had a conversation with a guy and I, I felt like there was an open door because he was talking about how miserable he was. And, I, and so I just threw it out there. I said, I said, man, I just wish you had my peace. And, he, and it caught his attention. He goes, what do you mean? I said, I'm going through the same earth you're going through and it's not affecting me that as bad as it's affecting you. He goes, I understand. I said, well, I'm a person of faith. I'm a follower of Jesus and, and it's not perfect, but I have peace. He goes, well, I'm an atheist. I said, oh. I said, but don't you still miss God? And he goes, yeah. <laughs> I mean, he did. <laughs> he's just, he, so he, he didn't, we didn't go much further than that, but, but I'm gonna have another, I have another conversation scheduled with him just to see if we can get him a little closer to God. And I just enjoyed every, every bit of that. Recently, I was on an airplane. Tammy and I were on a Southwest flight, which I cannot stand Southwest flights because I'm a control freak and I need to know what my chair is. I don't want to pick when I get on and I, and I don't want others picking what chair they sit next to me. And anyway, so, but that's what they do. And so, so we're on and I was in the middle of the three row seat. Tammy's on the window and we have this dreaded empty seat, you know, and I'm, and I'm, people are boarding and I got my knee over there and everything. Like I'm, I'm sending every signal, go somewhere else, you know? So, um, but, um, <laughs> and you could hear this girl coming down the jetway. Woo, 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 woo. And we were flying out of New Orleans back to Birmingham. I, I was speaking at a conference down there and I, you, you know, like, you knew where she had been all week, you know what I'm saying? So, um, and she rounds the corner and she high fives the flight attendant. And then she just goes down the rows, first row, first row, second row, second row, high five and every, everybody. And I'm about row 11 and I'm, my prayer life is improving. Dear Jesus, if you love me, God, please. And plop, she sits right there in that seat like, ah. And she turns to me and she goes, so what do you do for a living? And I said, well, I'm a pastor. And she goes, duh, we're all passengers. I said, no, like <laughs> the pastor of a church. And, and she says, oh, well, I don't like Christians. Well, I knew the kind she'd been raised around, so I decided to play along. I said, yeah, me too, girl. That's why I had to start my own church. <laughs> she goes, what do you mean? I said, well, Christianity's got a branding problem. And there's a bunch of mean Christians, but that's not how the Bible represents our faith. She says, Dutton. Well, by this time, the cart came by and she got what I call another drink. Anyway, so, uh, <laughs> and she goes, well, what does your God think about this? I said, he's not thinking about that. He's thinking about you. And he might talk to you about that later, but that's not what he's thinking about. She goes, I've never heard anything like this before in my life. I said, well, it's in the Bible. So anyway, the plane land, and, and she, went on, she was going on to Nashville. And so when I got off, she, she wanted more. And I, so she let us off because she was staying on. Tammy and I got off. She goes, Chris, I need more. I said, well, Tanya, if you, if, her name was Tanya. I said, Tanya, if you'll watch our service this Sunday, we stream it live, I'll give you a shout out. You can watch it live and you can get some more. 
She goes, you'll give me a shout out? I said, I sure will. And so I, you know, I stand up every service and, and we broadcast our messages to all of our locations. And so, um, and so I looked at the camera and said, hey, to all of our campuses, and then we're in 22 of Alabama's Department of Corrections facilities. God bless you guys. I said, I wanna give a special shout out to my friend Tanya. Girl, I told you I'd do it. You know, anyway, so, um, and, and she, I didn't know if she was watching, but she was, and she uh, emailed me the next day. My assistant sent it to me. She said, I got this email. I said, yeah, it's Tanya. And she goes, man, I let Christians keep me from God. She goes, but I realized how foolish that is. And I always end my messages by telling people what salvation really is, is surrendering to God, like giving me control of your life. Her salutation was, I'm ready to surrender. And she left her cell phone number. And I called her up on the phone. And Tanya gave her life to Jesus, everybody. You know, right there with the phone. Yeah. But what I want to point out to you is that God set up that intersection while I was, you know, trying to avoid it. You know, like, ugh. And just, I just want you to be in tune. Here's the second one. And that is we got to open our eyes to who they are. And what I mean by that is you can't look at people for face value. Because hurting people hurt people. So I know they've been mean, but, but there's a story behind the mean. So right here in this building, not this building, but the other building, because I was the first youth pastor of this church. Um, we had a youth group called TAG. Is it still called that? No, okay. Anyway, that's what it used to be called. All right, so thanks for changing it. But anyway, so... Uh, <laughs> But I had a kid right over here in this youth building. He was right over here. And, um, and he kept disrupting our youth service. We, we had probably four or 500 students in there. And he was just always, he was new, all black clothes, causing issues. Like, dude, man. So I had one of our youth workers, I said, get him in my office. And it was right up there on that second floor area where I think where the offices are still are. I said, get him in there, it ends today. This, I'm not putting up with this anymore. This happened in this, this church. And I get in there and this, this kid is just sitting on the couch in my office, just, just scowl on his face. And I walked in and I said, bro, what's your deal? Isn't that very pastoral? Do you feel the anointing on that, everybody? <laughs> yeah. And he pulls up his shirt and there were scars all over his back. He goes, that's my deal. And I went from frustrated to, oh my goodness, I'm gonna help you with one bit of understanding. And I tell people, you gotta be careful out there in this thing called life, because people will give you every reason in the world to hate them. Are y'all around the same people I am, right? I mean, there's, <laughs> people are mad, everybody's mad. Everybody's against something. You gotta be careful not to look at them through those eyes. The Bible says in Matthew, when Jesus saw the crowds, he, he, he had compassion. That literally means the seat of pity welled up in his heart because they, he saw them harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. And that's why you gotta be careful about your attitude toward people. I'll never forget Dr. Paul Yonggi Cho teaching on the Lord's Prayer. <laughs> this is so funny. Because I heard this message in that other auditorium over here. He was teaching on the Lord's Prayer and he, and he was on the part where it says, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And he goes, every day I forgive so many people because I hate so many people. Like, I'm like, I've been around the same ones, my brother, you know, so yeah. Okay, so you gotta be attuned to where, who, and the last one is you gotta open your eyes to what they actually need. 
what they need. It's like, what do they need? And Jesus was very clear in John chapter one, verse 14. The Bible says that the words, this is Jesus. Jesus became flesh, made his dwelling among us. We've seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father full of two things, grace and truth. What people need today is not grace. And what people today is not truth. They need grace and truth. And I think my observation of the, of, of the capital C church is that there's either a, a grace camp or a truth camp, but few get the balance of the both. Like there's a whole group that's like, grace, grace, grace. You're okay, you're okay I'm okay. Everybody's okay. Praise the Lord. Amen. No, and half true. And then you got the others like, ah, turn or burn, you know, get right or get left. You know, it's like, like they just saw, you know, they're, the guy at the football game, you know, with the mega horn, you know? Yeah, and, and, and so there's, there's, there's truth in both of them, but what people need is grace and truth. And by the way, grace always comes first. And grace is, grace is saying, we love you just like you are, but too much to let you stay that way. That, 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 that you're valued and loved and never condemned. That's how Jesus treated the woman caught in adultery. I mean, she was caught in adultery. And, and, and when Jesus finally spoke to the woman, he said, where are your accusers? This is John chapter eight. She goes, I don't have any. You ran them all off. And he says, neither do I accuse you. Grace. And then the next line, now go leave your life of sin. And that's what the world needs. They need this balance of grace and truth. I, 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 I charge you, church, um, to go, go find people I'm telling you, they're hungrier for God than you realize. And either share your faith with them personally or invite them to sit next to you in church. And by the way, there's nothing I could want more for you than the feeling of having someone far from God sitting next to you in church. It's, it's one of the best parts of being a Christian, I think, because you're nervous and you're thinking, my God, I hope they do the right songs today. And hope Pastor Brady is on today and you're wanting everything to be right. And when they say every head bowed, every eye closed, you don't do it. You bow your head and you peeking, you're looking over there. You're seeing if they're responding. And I, I tell our church, I want you to experience that at least what I call two out of the 52. Two, you take 50 Sundays for yourself, but two of them, you ought to have somebody far from God sitting next to you in church. Just somebody, because I'm telling you, they're hungrier for God. Then you realize if we just open up our eyes to where they are, who they are, and what they need. Back to our original story, the problem with the disciples is they did not love people, they loved people. They just were, all of us have um, a gravitational pull to selfishness. Me too, by the way, I'm not putting that on you. I'm, I'm saying that to me. I woke up this morning thinking about my needs. I need coffee, <laughs> I need a shower. And I, you, we, always, we wake up taking care of self, and, and that's na it's natural. That's why we have to be reminded, hey, 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 while you were thinking about lunch, there's a crowd. There's actually a crowd coming toward us right now. Open your eyes. You need to see it. And that's why I, I just, I love encouraging people of faith like you, that you love God, just to remember that there is this gravitational pull to selfishness. I'll close with this story. Uh, this is another airplane story. All great preacher stor stories happen on airplanes. You know that, right? So, um, so I was actually, and Eddie, yeah, you can come play behind me, man. Um, so at the, um, I was flying from Birmingham to Cincinnati, Cincinnati to Boston to go speak for a friend up there in, in the Boston area. 
And when I got on the Cincinnati flight, my travel companion and I did not get the seats together. So once again, I have this dreaded empty seat and I'm tired. I'm going to land and go straight to the church and speak. And so I was going to try to catch a nap. I'm actually planning my, my trip. Like I need a nap. If I caught a nap, I'll be refreshed. I got a window seat, which is perfect for napping. Uh, but I got mystery person coming and the plane's still boarding, but this seat hadn't been filled yet. And so I thought, I thought it's probably important that I'm already in nap posture before they arrive so that they don't bother me, right? You understanding? Yeah, so, so, um, so, so the, I'm not tired yet, but I'm, I'm up against the window and, and I'm peeking and looking at everybody and Lord Jesus, please not them, thank you, Father. And so anyway, so, <laughs> so I, get, I, it's, I get my guy. He's very, look like mid-50s, navy slacks, white starch shirt, um, blazer, very, got the square briefcase thing. It looked very official business guy like, and, um, and he gets, uh, and, he, and he puts his uh, briefcase in the overhead bin through his newspaper, you know, he's messing with his stuff. And then he plops down in the seat and I'd already claimed my half of the shared armrests and he pushes it off. I know. And so, And so, but I can't say that's rude. I have to, but I wanted him to know it was. So I just went, like that. I just went, so that was code for bro. That ain't right. But anyway, so, so plane takes off, actually falls asleep and he elbows me in my ribs in the middle of my nap. It's like real hard. And it started me, I'm like, and I said, yeah, what's up, man? He goes, what do you do for a living? I'm like, are you serious? And I said, well, I'm a pastor. And he starts, he doubled over in his chair and started crying so loud, the whole plane can hear it. No, I'm talking about crying. I'm not like, a, <laughs> I'm, I'm talking, ah! like that, like, like wailing, crying, like, bro. I got my arm, like, man. And I, my, I have to be honest with you. My first thought was, there goes the nap, counseling session, you know, so anyway. But, um, so anyway, I'm sorry. I'm just trying to be real, but anyway, but I, so I said, what happened? He just buried his best friend in Cincinnati and he's yelling, I'm never gonna see him again. I'm never gonna see him again. And so he's talking, telling me the whole story and I'm trying to think, I'm trying to find you know, a verse or something. I'm going through the files and, um, and I got one. It's First Thessalonians 4. So he stops and I said, well, Billy, his name was Billy. I said, well, Billy, the Bible says, he goes, no, 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 don't go there. And I said, why not? He goes, I'm Jewish. I said, Jesus was Jewish. He goes, all right, go ahead. I mean, that happened just like that. I am not making that up, I promise you. But anyway, and I said, well, the, <laughs> the Bible says that Christians grieve, but it doesn't look like this. It actually says that in 1 Thessalonians 4. We grieve, but not like the rest of people who have no hope. And he goes, well, how do you get the hope? I mean, he put that ball on the tee. If you can't hit that, you can't play. You know what I'm saying? It's right there. And so, and so I share my faith with him all the way to Boston. When we're getting off the plane, I actually thought my job was just to, just to do that. Because I kind of believe, like, it's kind of like baseball to me. You like get him in scoring position. Somebody else will bat him in later, you know. I had him on third base. You know, he'll get in later, you know. So we're walking out, and he goes, Chris, you can't leave me till I get the hope. I said, well, Billy, you're gonna have to pray to receive Jesus as your Lord to get the hope. And that brother knew enough 
to close his eyes, grab my hands. Like we're in the middle of Logan International Airport. There's hundreds of people. Going, we're right in the middle of the hallway. Like, yeah, we holding hands. We sure are. You know, so. And that, that's where you just have to kind of forget, you know, your pride a little bit. And, and I led Billy from Boston to the Lord right there in the middle of the airport. And when he went, when he said amen, he goes, oh, I feel it. He's, I feel the hope. I have hope. I said, I told you, man. And he goes, and he reaches for his wallet. He goes, man, I have to pay you for this. This is good stuff. Like, I got, and I said, no, brother, there's a verse that says it's free. I can't charge you, you know? So anyway, um, he goes, I, he was so insistent on doing something for me. I said, no, man. He goes, look, I'm very wealthy. I've got a, I own a chain of toy stores in Boston. He said, I'm going to send gifts to all your kids. I said, no, brother, that's not how this works. I'm not taking any gifts from you. He goes, how many boys do you have? I said, four. He says, can I, I'm very close to Dennis Eckersley, the great Hall of Fame relief pitcher from the, from the Red Sox. Can I at least send you four hand-signed baseball cards for your boys? I said, all right, man, send me some baseball cards. And so I gave him my, my address. And sure enough, about four or five days later, these four hand-signed baseball cards came in the mail that I have never given to my boys. <laughs> so anyway, and it kind of feels good to get that off my chest in church. Anyway, so... <laughs> I feel free. Thank you, Father. Okay. I filed three of them. Asked Tammy. One of them sits on my desk because they're right now. I look at it every day of my life. And it reminds me that while I wanted to nap, Billy needed me not to nap. While the disciples needed lunch, the town needed them not to go to lunch. And that's why it's so important for us to see the harvest the way Jesus sees it. Can I hear a good amen, everybody? All right, let's pray together. So, Father, I just pray for this to burn inside of the hearts of the people of New Life Church, my home church. And I'm asking, God, that you stir inside of them a love for their friends and let us see the world the way you see it. Heads bowed, eyes closed just for a second. If you're here today and maybe you're Billy, you need the hope. <laughs> I'm gonna lead you in a prayer that you can pray right there in your seat. I'm gonna lead you in the same prayer I prayed with Billy that day. And if you wanna be included, just whisper it right there where you are. Just say, Jesus, thank you for going to the cross to pay for what I did. And today I receive you as my Lord and Savior. I surrender. Take control of my life. Now make this confession because I believe you're the son of God who died and rose again. And today I put my faith in you. In your name I pray, amen. Can we give a hand for everybody who just prayed that prayer, everybody? God bless you. Yeah, amazing. Let's stand together. Pastor Chris, thank you so much. It's been awesome to have you here this morning. We're gonna get ready to receive communion together. For those who serve communion, we go ahead and make your way down front. Here in just a minute, our ushers are gonna give us instructions. We're gonna leave our seat and come forward. If for some reason you can't come forward, just ask someone next to you and say, hook me up with communion. Let's continue to worship together as we receive communion.
Go ahead and get your elements ready. We're going to receive together. At the table of the Lord, we experience the great hospitality of God, that he saved a place for us at the table. And when we come to the table, we find that it's no ordinary meal, that the Savior himself looks us in the eye and says, I've made a way for you. I've made provision for you. God, what about this? What about this in my past? I'm unworthy to sit at the table of the Lord. And he says, I know, but I've made a way. God, but, but this and that. No, no. He says, come. I've had you in mind since the creation of the world that I would offer myself to you as a sacrifice and pay the price for your sin, the penalty that should have been yours, I'll take that upon myself. It's unthinkable, this kind of hospitality that God offers us. And in the same extension of his hospitality, he says, the same hospitality that I show to you in this moment, now go and show it to other people. Save a space, save a seat in your life for the mystery person, for the person you didn't see coming, for the person I'm calling you to today when you leave this place and you go do something mundane like fill your car with gas. Do you have a table? Do you have room in your heart for another person that the Lord would have you to show love and hospitality the same way he's showing it to you right now in this moment? 
So it's in that spirit, that heart of great love and joy that in that night when the Lord was betrayed, he took the bread and when he blessed it, he broke it and he said, this is my body. Whenever you receive it, do it in remembrance of me. Let's take the bread together. And in the cup, the scripture says that God doesn't just make us better people. He takes the dead parts of us and he makes them alive. He washes us. He resurrects us. We experience the life of Jesus inside of us because he's washed us completely clean from the sins of our past, our present, and our future. Let's drink to our forgiveness. Let's celebrate and worship the Lord together. Can we thank Pastor Chris for opening the word for us this morning once again? Really awesome. Tammy, so great to have you both back home, back to new life after all these years. So great. Well, as you get ready to head out, a couple things. First of all, if you need prayer, I want to invite our prayer team to come forward. We'd love the chance just to ask how we can pray for you. You don't even have to give details. Or maybe this morning you prayed the prayer that Chris let us in for the very first time and you want to tell somebody that you've made a decision for the first time to follow Jesus, we'd love to connect with you. Also, if you're new in the last, you know, let's say few weeks, few months, and you, you think, you know, I love this place, but I want to actually get, get involved. I want to get connected. I want to find out a place to serve or I need help with this. If you go out these doors to the left, we have a place called Connect Central amazing leaders and pastors there that can answer your questions and just and just get to know you more than anything else. Lastly, we have section gatherings. I think it's section 11 and yeah, 11 and 1. So those number ones are lucky today. So what does that mean? Each section once a month, think like old school church potluck, you get to go and have a meal together. So go hang out, enjoy um, the meal, whichever section party smells the best as I walk by, I'm going to stop by and see what I can. Yeah. Anyway, enough said. Church, let me bless you as you go. We open up your hands. 
want to pray a simple prayer of blessing over you. New Life Church, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face to shine upon you. May he lift up his countenance upon you and grant you perfect peace. I pray in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Church, take care. See you on Wednesday for prayer.